Hello, and welcome to 8 Minutes to Ageless, the podcast committed to teaching you the minimalistic approach to becoming bold and not old. On this 20-minute weekly podcast, you will learn how to care for your body and mind while spending the bare minimum amount of time to be successful. I know that life is full, so full that we tend to put our own needs on the back burner, and in some cases are simply too confused to figure out what to do, so we do nothing. This podcast is designed to help you leave regrets behind and start caring for yourself, no matter your age, so you can grow older and like it, and I might say even love it. My name is Dr. Kelly Pearson, and I am the host of this podcast. I'm a practicing chiropractic physician and author of Eight Minutes to Ageless. Over the past 40 years, my patients have taught me so much about what not to do that I finally just had to get this book written and podcast started. But before we begin, I want to thank all of you who have read my book and keep sending me inspiring comments that you're getting your life back. That makes all the difference and makes me smile. Well, hello there. This is Kelly back again, and we're talking about something a little bit inspired by my weekend, which is always good when something inspires me that is consistent with the theme of living well and aging well. And it reminds me of a story of a woman who was a patient of mine years ago, remarkable woman in her 80s, and she grew up as a Buddhist nun and had the unbelievable backdrop of being the only woman in the country who built a house using hand tools with the exception of the large beams that came in to support her home. Everything was cut by hand and screwed by hand and pounded by hand. And she had a lot of time for thinking and a lot of time for her spiritual growth. And whenever she would come into the practice, she would say, hey, Kelly, have you said hello to death today? And of course, I would giggle and go, well, no, I, I really haven't. She said, but you must look at death every day in order to live life fully. And it's quite profound and makes a lot of sense. And, and I resonated with it. And even before then, I myself had been very engaged with the whole art of uh, dying. Death and dying was something that came up for me in college. I was, I was really impacted by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who many of you know was one of the first researchers around death and the four stages um, when someone dies. And then from there, I read every book I ever found as it related to people who died but didn't die. They were pronounced dead for a few seconds or minutes at least, but then came back into their bodies and really profoundly powerful stories that resonated with, with some common themes. And, and that was essentially that when you die, there is a sort of a review of your life in terms of seeing how you impacted everyone the happiness you caused and the grief that you caused. And one particular individual, Dan and Brinkley, has actually died and come back to life twice. And he now speaks around the world. I won't tell too much of his story. His books were is worth reading, but he he did get electrocuted on um, telephone during a thunderstorm and had two subsequent surgeries to try to rectify some of the pathology caused by the electrocution and, and died on the table again surgical table and then came back and he, he jokes that the next time he dies he's going to be on a nuclear warhead so there's no body to come back to because he describes death now as just this extraordinary 
extraordinary process. And my belief uh, it really is consistent with that from what I've been able to observe by being at bedside. And this weekend I was able to go to a funeral by a, with a friend who I've known professionally for 15 years, we would sit on a credentialing committee together and I loved the way he thought and I loved the way he communicated. It was always very, very straightforward. I thought I knew a lot about him, but in truth, when you get to go to a funeral of a person who's been living a good life, who's been living a humble life, they rarely talk about their accomplishments or their accolades. And through, by way of a funeral, particularly the type where people are able to speak about how that person impacted them, you get to see the huge swath of influence they had. And that was the case for me this weekend and listening to um, person after person get up and speak about Dr. Phil, who was a medical physician and how they impacted him. And I'm always learning something from a funeral like that. For instance, how I might want to do my life a little bit better, how I might want to focus on things just a little bit more thoroughly. And while I thought I knew this gentleman, he turns out that he was quite a accomplished um, avionics specialist and loved to fly and had over 500 flights and 500 hours in the air and never um, an accident or anything like that. It's just extraordinarily capable. And yet we sat next to each other for, you know, dozens and dozens of hours over these past 15 years. And I didn't know that about him. And I also didn't know that he had committed himself to Christ early in his marriage, never really talked about that, but he certainly role modeled that. It was the piece about him that was contagious. So it was just wonderful to be able to go to this funeral and hear about him and who he was and how he influenced life in the most profound, profound way. And I think that for that reason, if we get an opportunity to go to a funeral, Many of us might not find it mm, comfortable, but I encourage people to go because it's not for the person who's died that you're going to the funeral. It's for the ability to learn from them. And it's the ability to support the people who love them. You know, I made a mistake years ago. One of my associates, mother had died and uh, we did not go to her funeral. I can't remember our reasoning at the time or if we had something else going on and we didn't have the integrity to reschedule, but it was really the wrong thing to do because I wasn't supporting him. So in part, I, I'm encouraging people when you have the opportunity to go to a funeral to go, particularly of a human whom you have a lot of respect for, because I promise you'll learn things in a way that's even more, more impactful. So funerals are, are, are useful ways to figure out how to live recognizing that death is eminent for all of us. And if you can, even more importantly, be at bedside when someone is passing, it can be an amazing lesson. And for multiplicity of reasons, um, I'll give you my favorite story. And even though it doesn't sound like a, something you would think I'd enjoy, but it was when my mom was dying to be with her at her bedside when she was actually leaving her body in its entirety was one of the most magical things I've ever in my life experienced. And just a couple, couple days before she kind of gave me instruction, 
on, please Kelly, try to get your sister off medication because my sis had a rheumatologic condition and my, my mom did not like the kinds of drugs she was on. It was causing her some secondary side effects. So I, I, get, I made that commitment to my mother and it was thankfully with my sister present so she could hear it. So it was a, a commitment to honor my mom um, after she passed. Uh, but but the probably the best part of, of that was not the message she gave me to set the path for my life, which by the way, worked out extremely well for my sister and I. And my sister did extremely well and got off a lot of those uh, nasty drugs, got very, very um, enlivened by her new habitus. Uh, she lost weight. She felt better. She had a new lease on life. So that was exciting. But I think probably the most amazing thing for me and being at the bedside of my mom was the ability to understand something about her I never knew. And that was, she, she was not married to my dad at the time of her passing, but married to a man that she loved very much, who I did not care for, largely because uh, of his drinking problem that had developed over time and I'm pretty, pretty challenged by, by alcoholics. And so when, when she was dying and I had just given her a bolus of morphine because she had lung cancer, I didn't, you know, she promised me I would not let her wake up because it was quite uncomfortable to not be able to breathe. But in the, in the moment of her final passing and I could tell the energy was leaving her body and there was just a little bit left of vitality in her, in her cranium. When she got to that place, but it was just moments before she would be gone, her spirit would have left her body completely. This essence of her husband, his name was Jack, came into the room. And you think, what are you talking about, Kelly? It was just this obvious, obvious awareness of Jack's presence and she had hoped he might come when she was dying. He, she was afraid he might not, that he might be mad because the final day of their, before he died was, there was some unpleasant circumstances with regard to arguments. But I said, mom, it doesn't work that way in heaven. <laughs> they, don't, they don't hold grudges and they don't get mad at people. But in any event, um, Jack filled this room and I could just sense the essence of who he was and who my mom had fallen in love with. And I, 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 I quickly spouted out, well, mom, I get why you were in love with Jack. I, I can feel his presence. And somehow, even though I'd given her this big bolus of morphine, she opened her eyes. And when she opened her eyes, she smiled at me. And it was just this beautiful, beautiful, um, recognition that finally I got why she was in love with Jack. And even though I had had a lot of problems and issues with him and his behavior around his addiction, I transcended it um, in that moment. And it really was this amazing gift. So what I'm here to say is when you're at somebody's bedside, particularly someone you're close to, and maybe there's been altercations or challenges, you can expect miracles if you are with a person who is ready to move forward, with a person who maybe has a belief that there is life after death um, on a spiritual realm. Now, when you're with someone maybe not quite so enlightened or ready to, to roll, that can also be quite um, informative. I can think of a time where I was with a gentleman who was younger 
he was married with some children and he was so mad about his brain cancer did not want to go did not want to go and really had a had a tremendous fear about death and was never really desiring of talking about death and i think it's important that we do do that when we're in the throes of letting go but he went kicking and screaming in the end. And it was a really, really painful way to see a man be ripped from his body, if you will, spiritually, and his energy left. And it was just tumultuous for everybody around him. And what I learned from that experience was also quite powerful. And that is, like my Buddhist nun says, have you said hello to death? Have you recognized that someday you will be ready to go? And, um, to underscore again what she said was listen if you don't know death is coming you can't live your best life and like dan and brinkley would say if you unless you know death is going to be around the corner and i've witnessed it twice and have come back you think that you have to be careful and protective of your ego and your life and everything should be just right he said what i would what i would really love for everybody to recognize is your ego is worthless. Who cares what people think about you? What matters most is that you are doing the right thing by your heart and you're taking the courage. You're, you're stepping out. You're telling your truth. You're caring for others. You might even look silly in the process, but he says, who cares? So um, another example I'll give of, of a person uh, in terms of how I learned at bedside, such a, a miraculous thing was I had a gal who I would refer my patients to for reflexology. For those of you who don't know, reflexology is, is this beautiful massage in the bottom of the foot that has long been linked with different, different reflex points, different places of the foot, the sole of the foot, the toes, and it can relate back to organs and specific parts of the body. And she could look at your feet and she was um, 92 the last day of her practice. And she, she could feel your feet and tell you where your, your um, challenging areas were. And truly an amazing woman. Now, I had not seen her myself, but I'd sent her dozens of patients over time because sometimes you just have to throw in everything you can to help a person recover. And I had heard that she was um, just come down with cancer and was, and was not doing well. So I went to her house to meet her where she practiced. And she had a little ante room where she had a little office and um, Monday was her last day of seeing patients. And I was there the very next day on Tuesday. Turns out that she died the very next day on Wednesday. She lived and worked and served up until two days before she passed. But the point I want to share with you is when I walked in the room, um, what was most amazing is she said hello to me, of course, and she welcomed me. And instantly she said, let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. And while reflexologists work on the sole of the feet and the hands have some obviously uh, similar features. And she said, oh my, Kelly, you need some work here and you need some work here. And she's taking my hand and she's rubbing it and giving, you know, giving it her best. And, and I said, oh, darling, you, you need to rest. You know, you have served, you have served, you have served. And now it's time for you to rest and she smiled and she said but that's that's why i'm here you know that's what that's why i've i've waited to work all these years and and now i can't put off my death any longer it's a, it's it's happening but man i'm gonna miss serving 
and she certainly taught me a lot and it actually is one of the reasons I've decided in my decided in my transition plan that you know retirement for me is going to be the age of 85 my mentor is 84 he's he's um retiring at 85 and it doesn't mean I'm working five days a week I'll probably work two half days a week from like 75 to 85 because those people have inspired me you know, those people who I've been at the bedside have taught me the value of why we're here. And we might as well use this life up completely recognizing that it's a gift. And one day it won't be here to play with. So, you know, just take solace in the fact that the next time a, a dear person dies, that you have an opportunity to learn and be inspired at that next funeral. And you have the opportunity of someone's dying to spend some time at their bedside and, and see what bubbles up, see what is expressed, see what comes forward. Because I promise you that if the end of life is, of a person who has been living their life, knowing like one day they will die, so they've done their best, they've given their best, it can indeed be pretty darn spectacular. All right, so I hope I haven't caused you too much distress talking about topic matter of, of this nature, but quite honestly, it's extremely important. And if you can get to um, some of these books that talk about people who have gone on and come back, and there's several um, several on, on the market, it's just really worth, it's really worth the effort. Okay, then. Well, I look forward to speaking to you next week. I'm hoping this week you live your life knowing that one day you will have that gift to live. I'll talk to you soon. In keeping with my minimalistic approach to life, I keep this podcast short and only add the most critical points, not adding fluff. So for today, we are done, but I hope you will do a few minutes of the good stuff we talked about. If you have not picked up the book, you can get it on Amazon. The website 8minutestoageless.org will have the show notes and any videos that I mentioned on this podcast. I thank you for spending your precious 20 minutes with me. And as always, you can reach out and contact me via the website. Remember, one day at a time, you are getting bolder and not older. I look forward to seeing you next week.